Chapter 51 of the D'Artagnan Romances, Volume 2, Twenty Years After by Alexandre Dumas, translated by William Robson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Flight When D'Artagnan returned to the Palais Royal at five o'clock, it presented, in spite of the excitement which reigned in the town, a spectacle of the greatest rejoicing. Nor was that surprising. The Queen had restored Broussel and Blanc-Monsnil to the people and had therefore nothing to fear since the people had nothing more just then to ask for the return also of the conqueror of lens was the pretext for giving a grand banquet the princes and princesses were invited and their carriages had crowded the court since noon then after dinner the queen was to have a play in her apartment anne of austria had never appeared more brilliant than on that day radiant with grace and wit mazarin appeared as they rose from the table he found D'Artagnan waiting for him already at his post in the anteroom. The cardinal advanced to him with a smile, and taking him by the hand, led him into his study. "'My dear Monsieur D'Artagnan,' said the minister, sitting down, "'I am about to give you the greatest proof of confidence that a minister can give an officer.' "'I hope,' said D'Artagnan, bowing, "'that you give it, my lord, without hesitation, and with the conviction that I am worthy of it.' more worthy than any one in paris my dear friend therefore i apply to you we are about to leave this evening continued mazarin my dear monsieur d'artagnan the welfare of the state is deposited in your hands he paused explain yourself my lord i am listening the queen has resolved to make a little excursion with the king to saint germain aha said d'artagnan that is to say the queen wishes to leave paris a woman's caprice you understand yes i understand perfectly said d'artagnan it was for this she summoned you this morning and that she told you to return at five o'clock was it worth while to wish me to swear this morning that i would mention the appointment to no one muttered d'artagnan oh women women whether queens or not they are always the same do you disapprove of this journey my dear monsieur d'artagnan asked mazarin anxiously i my lord said d'artagnan why should i because you shrug your shoulders it is a way i have of speaking to myself i neither approve nor disapprove my lord i merely await your commands good it is you accordingly that i have pitched upon to conduct the king and the queen to saint germain liar thought d'artagnan you see therefore continued the cardinal perceiving d'artagnan's composure that as i have told you the welfare of the state is placed in your hands yes my lord and i feel the whole responsibility of such a charge you accept however i always accept do you think the thing possible everything is possible shall you be attacked on the road probably and what will you do in that case i shall pass through those who attack me and suppose you cannot pass through them so much the worse for them i shall pass over them 
and you will place the king and queen in safety also at saint germain yes on your life on my life you are a hero my friend said mazarin gazing at the musketeer with admiration d'artagnan smiled and i asked mazarin after a moment's silence how and you my lord if i wish to leave that would be much more difficult why so your eminence might be recognized even under this disguise asked mazarin raising a cloak which covered an armchair upon which lay a complete dress for an officer of pearl gray and red entirely embroidered with silver if your eminence is disguised it will be almost easy ah said mazarin breathing more freely but it will be necessary for your eminence to do what the other day you declared you should have done in our place cry down with mazarin i will down with mazarin in french in good french my lord take care of your accent they killed six thousand angevins in sicily because they pronounced italian badly take care that the french do not take their revenge on you for the sicilian vespers i will do my best the streets are full of armed men continued d'artagnan are you sure that no one is aware of the queen's project mazarin reflected this affair would give a fine opportunity for a traitor my lord the chance of being attacked would be an excuse for everything mazarin shuddered but he reflected that a man who had the least intention to betray would not warn first and uh, therefore added he quietly i have not confidence in every one the proof of which is that i have fixed upon you to escort me shall you not go with the queen no replied mazarin then you will start after the queen no said mazarin again ah said d'artagnan who began to understand yes continued the cardinal i have my plan with the queen i double her risk after the queen her departure would double mine then the court once safe i might be forgotten the great are often ungrateful very true said d'artagnan fixing his eyes in spite of himself on the queen's diamond which mazarin wore on his finger mazarin followed the direction of his eyes and gently turned the hoop of the ring inside i wish he said with his cunning smile to prevent them from being ungrateful to me it is but christian charity replied d'artagnan not to lead one's neighbors into temptation it is exactly for that reason said mazarin that i wish to start before them d'artagnan smiled he was just the man to understand the astute italian mazarin saw the smile and profited by the moment you will begin therefore by taking me first out of paris will you not my dear monsieur d'artagnan a difficult commission my lord replied d'artagnan resuming his serious manner but said mazarin you did not make so many difficulties with regard to the king and queen the king and the queen are my king and queen replied the musketeer my life is theirs and i must give it for them if they ask it what have i to say 
that is true murmured mazarin in a low tone but as thy life is not mine i suppose i must buy it must i not and sighing deeply he began to turn the hoop of his ring outside again d'artagnan smiled these two men met at one point and that was cunning had they been actuated equally by courage the one would have done great things for the other but also said mazarin you must understand that if i ask this service from you it is with the intention of being grateful is it still only an intention your eminence asked d'artagnan stay said mazarin drawing the ring from his finger my dear d'artagnan there is a diamond which belonged to you formerly it is but just it should return to you take it i pray d'artagnan spared mazarin the trouble of insisting and after looking to see if the stone was the same and assuring himself of the purity of its water he took it and passed it on his finger with indescribable pleasure i valued it much said mazarin giving a last look at it nevertheless i give it to you with great pleasure and i my lord said d'artagnan accept it as it is given come let us speak of your little affairs you wish to leave before everybody and at what hour at ten o'clock and the queen at what time is it her wish to start at midnight then it is possible i can get you out of paris and leave you beyond the barriere and can return for her a capital but how will you get me out of paris oh as to that you must leave it to me i give you absolute power therefore take as large an escort as you like d'artagnan shook his head it seems to me however said mazarin the safest method yes for you my lord but not for the queen you must leave it to me and give me the entire direction of the undertaking nevertheless or find someone else continued d'artagnan turning his back oh muttered mazarin i do believe he is going off with the diamond monsieur d'artagnan my dear monsieur d'artagnan he called out in a coaxing voice will you answer for everything i will answer for nothing i will do my best well then let us go i must trust you it is very fortunate said d'artagnan to himself you will be here at half-past nine and i shall find your eminence ready certainly quite ready well then it is a settled thing and now my lord will you obtain for me an audience with the queen for what purpose i wish to receive her majesty's commands from her own lips she desired me to give them to you she may have forgotten something you really wish to see her it is indispensable my lord mazarin hesitated for one instant but d'artagnan was firm come then said the minister i will conduct you to her but remember not one word of our conversation what has passed between us concerns ourselves alone my lord replied d'artagnan swear to be mute i never swear my lord i say yes or no and as i am a gentleman i keep my word come then 
I see that I must trust unreservedly to you. Believe me, my lord, it will be your best plan. Come, said Mazarin, conducting D'Artagnan into the queen's oratory and desiring him to wait there. He did not wait long, for in five minutes the queen entered in full gala costume. Thus dressed, she scarcely appeared thirty-five years of age. She was still exceedingly handsome. "'It is you, Monsieur d'Artagnan,' she said, smiling graciously. "'I thank you for having insisted on seeing me.' "'I ought to ask your Majesty's pardon, but I wish to receive your commands from your own mouth.' "'Do you accept the commission which I have entrusted to you?' "'With gratitude.' very well be here at midnight i will not fail monsieur d'artagnan continued the queen i know your disinterestedness too well to speak of my own gratitude at such a moment but i swear to you that i shall not forget this second service as i forgot the first your majesty is free to forget or to remember as it pleases you and i know not what you mean said d'artagnan bowing go sir said the queen with her most bewitching smile go and return at midnight and d'artagnan retired but as he passed out he glanced at the curtain through which the queen had entered and at the bottom of the tapestry he remarked the tip of a velvet slipper good thought he mazarin has been listening to discover whether i betrayed him in truth that italian puppet does not deserve the services of an honest man D'Artagnan was not less exact to his appointment, and at half-past nine o'clock he entered the anteroom. He found the cardinal dressed as an officer, and he looked very well in that costume, which, as we have already said, he wore elegantly, only he was very pale and trembled slightly. "'Quite alone?' he asked. "'Yes, my lord.' "'And that worthy Monsieur de Vallon, are we not to enjoy his society?' "'Certainly, my lord.' He is waiting in his carriage at the gate of the garden of the Palais Royal. And we start in his carriage, then? Yes, my lord. And with us no other escort but you two. Is it not enough? One of us would suffice. Really, my dear Monsieur d'Artagnan, said the cardinal, your coolness startles me. I should have thought, on the contrary, that it ought to have inspired you with confidence. And Bernouin, do I not take him with me? There is no room for him. He will rejoin your eminence. Let us go, said Mazarin, since everything must be done as you wish. My lord, there is time to draw back, said D'Artagnan, and your eminence is perfectly free. Not at all, not at all, said Mazarin. Let us be off and so they descended the private stair mazarin leaning on the arm of d'artagnan a hand the musketeer felt trembling at last after crossing the courts of the palais royal where there still remained some of the conveyances of late guests they entered the garden and reached the little gate mazarin attempted to open it by a key which he took from his pocket but with such shaking fingers that he could not find the keyhole give it to me said d'artagnan who, when the gate was opened, deposited the key in his pocket, reckoning upon returning by that gate. The steps were already down, and the door open. Mousqueton sat at the door, and Porthos was inside the carriage. "'Mount, my lord,' said D'Artagnan to Mazarin, who sprang into the carriage without waiting for a second bidding. 
D'Artagnan followed him, and Mousqueton, having closed the door, mounted behind the carriage with many groans. He had made some difficulties about going, under pretext that he still suffered from his wound. But D'Artagnan had said to him, "'Remain if you like, my dear Monsieur Mouston, but I warn you that Paris will be burnt down tonight.' Upon which Mousqueton had declared, without asking any further, that he was ready to follow his master and Monsieur D'Artagnan to the end of the world. The carriage started at a measured pace, without betraying by the slightest sign that it contained people in a hurry. The cardinal wiped his forehead with his handkerchief and looked around him. On his left was Porthos, whilst D'Artagnan was on his right. Each guarded a door and served as a rampart to him on the either side. Before him, on the front seat, lay two pairs of pistols, one in front of Porthos and the other of D'Artagnan. About a hundred paces from the Palais Royal, a patrol stopped the carriage. "'Who goes?' asked the captain. "'Mazarin!' replied D'Artagnan, bursting into a laugh. The cardinal's hair stood on end, but the joke appeared an excellent one to the citizens, who, seeing the conveyance without escort and unarmed, would never have believed in the possibility of so great an imprudence. "'A good journey to he!' they cried, allowing it to pass. <laughs> said D'Artagnan. "'What does my lord think of that reply?' "'A man of talent!' cried Mazarin. "'In truth,' said Porthos, "'I understand, but now—' About the middle of the Rue de Petit Champ, they were stopped by a second patrol. "'Who goes there?' inquired the captain of the patrol. "'Keep back, my lord,' said D'Artagnan, and Mazarin buried himself so far behind the two friends that he disappeared, completely hidden between them. "'Who goes there?' cried the same voice impatiently, whilst D'Artagnan perceived they had rushed to the horses' heads. But putting his head out of the carriage, "'Eh? Planchet?' said he. The chief approached, and it was indeed Planchet. D'Artagnan had recognized the voice of his old servant. "'How, sir?' said Planchet. "'Is it you?' "'Eh, mon Dieu! Yes, my good friend. This worthy Porthos has just received a sword wound, and I am taking him to his country house at St. Cloud.' "'Oh, really?' said Planchet. "'Porthos,' said D'Artagnan, "'if you can still speak, say a word, my dear Porthos, to this good Planchet.' "'Planchet, my friend,' said Porthos in a melancholy voice, "'I am very ill. Should you meet a doctor, you will do me a favor by sending him to me?' "'Oh, good heaven!' said Planchet. "'What a misfortune! And how did it happen?' "'I will tell you all about it,' replied Mousqueton. Porthos uttered a deep groan. "'Make way for us, Planchet,' said D'Artagnan in a whisper to him, "'or he will not arrive alive. The lungs are attacked, my friend.' Planchet shook his head with the air of a man who says, "'In that case things look ill.' Then he exclaimed, turning to his men, "'Let them pass. They are friends.' The carriage resumed its course, and Mazarin, who had held his breath, ventured to breathe again. Bricconi, muttered he. A few steps in advance of the gate of St. Honore, they met a third troop. This latter party was composed of ill-looking fellows, who resembled bandits more than anything else. They were the men of the beggar of St. Eustache. "'Attention, Porthos!' cried D'Artagnan. Porthos placed his hand on his pistols. "'What is it?' asked Mazarin. "'My lord, I think we are in bad company.' A man advanced to the door with a kind of scythe in his hand. 
qui vive he asked eh rascal said d'artagnan do you not recognize his highness the prince's carriage prince or not said the man open we are here to guard the gate and no one whom we do not know shall pass what is to be done said porthos pardieu pass replied d'artagnan but the how asked mazarin through or over coachman gallop on the coachman raised his whip not a step further said the man who appeared to be the captain or i will hamstring your horses peste said porthos it would be a pity animals which cost me a hundred pistoles each i will pay you two hundred for them said mazarin yes but when once they are hamstrung our necks will be strung next if one of them comes to my side asked porthos must i kill him yes by a blow of your fist if you can we will not fire but at the last extremity i can do it said porthos come and open then cried d'artagnan to the man with the scythe taking one of his pistols up by the muzzle and preparing to strike with the handle and as the man approached d'artagnan in order to have more freedom for his actions leaned half out the door his eyes were fixed upon those of the mendicant which were lighted up by a lantern without doubt he recognized d'artagnan for he became deadly pale doubtless the musketeer knew him for his hair stood on his head monsieur d'artagnan he cried falling back a step it is monsieur d'artagnan let him pass d'artagnan was perhaps about to reply when a blow similar to that of a mallet falling on the head of an ox was heard the noise was caused by porthos who had just knocked down his man d'artagnan turned around and saw the unfortunate man upon his back about four paces off steph cried he to the coachman spur your horses whip get on the coachman bestowed a heavy blow of the whip upon his horses the noble animals bounded forward then cries of men who were knocked down were heard then a double concussion was felt and two of the wheels seemed to pass over a round and flexible body there was a moment's silence then the carriage cleared the gate to corlevin cried d'artagnan to the coachman then turning to mazarin he said now my lord you can save five paters and five aves and thanks to heaven for your deliverance you are safe you are free mazarin replied only by a groan he could not believe in such a miracle five minutes later the carriage stopped having reached corlevin is my lord pleased with his escort asked d'artagnan enchanted monsieur said mazarin venturing his head out of one of the windows and now do as much for the queen it will not be so difficult replied d'artagnan springing to the ground monsieur de vallon i commend his eminence to your care be quite at ease said porthos holding out his hand which d'artagnan took and shook in his oh cried porthos as if in pain d'artagnan looked with surprise at his friend what is the matter then he asked i think i have sprained my wrist said porthos the devil why you strike like a blind or a deaf man it was necessary my man was going to fire a pistol at me but you how did you get rid of yours oh mine replied d'artagnan was not a man what was it then it was an apparition 
and i charmed it away without further explanation d'artagnan took the pistols which were upon the front seat placed them in his belt wrapped himself in his cloak and not wishing to enter by the same gate as that through which they had left he took his way toward the richelieu gate end of chapter fifty one recording by john van stan savannah georgia